0: We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today.
1: And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitts. Today we are previewing the women's side of the Big 12 Championship Tournament. Look, we, we did the men's side yesterday, but as I've said in the last few months here, I want to make sure we're covering the women just as much, um, you know, because, again, this is an absolutely fantastic year for the Big 12 women, especially for the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, so here to preview the tournament, to talk about the Big 12 Coaches Awards, uh, coming back to the podcast for, I think it's the third time now, which is kind of weird considering how short of a time frame it's been, but it's uh, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Uh, you know, she is host of the Cyclone Family Podcast here on the 1012 Network and also does the... Uh, the, or she's the color analyst. Is that correct? For the, uh, Cyclones women's broadcast on the radio. So Jamie, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, I'm great. I've been running around all day getting prepared, We're recording this on Tuesday. I'll be leaving on Wednesday for the Big 12 tournament. So um, I'm I'm great. Like, it's just nonstop preparing for travel and talking about basketball with anyone that'll listen. So this is probably the most productive outlet I could find to do so. So my husband gets a little bit of a break.
1: That That is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you uh, are married to somebody who does basketball for a living, it's uh it's really hard to get away from it when they're really excited to talk about it. So and, and I, I, honestly, this is the best time of the year, like or like conference tournaments just in general, but Big 12 tournament, especially with these two sides of the Big 12 conference that have been absolutely phenomenally competitive this year. Um, yeah, I know that most Kansas fans are actually excited to hear about the Big 12 tournament on the women's side because this is a team that's actually worth getting excited about. So let's actually start there because to end the season, like I figured that this team was going to get some awards. Um, I, I knew that there was a, an, an opportunity for Kansas to get some of the big ones. Um, and, and obviously the biggest one to come out for the Jayhawks was the fact that Coach Brandon Schneider was named, you know, coach of the year. This is from the coaches. I, I don't believe that the media does like an AP mm-hmm. version they do on the men's side. For some reason, they don't, they, they don't do it on the women's side. I'm not really sure why, like I, they, they really should, but regardless, the coaches went ahead and named Brendan Schneider, the uh, big 12 coach of the year, which I thought was well-deserved, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Like, was there anybody else that you even thought should have been considered that maybe wasn't, or, or was this kind of a, a no brainer?
2: It was, I think a pretty easy choice in that the other options you'd be looking at would have been Nikki Collin as a first year coach winning the league, but she was picked first and it's not quite, I mean, the the common argument is, well, it's not her team. You know, she, she didn't do all the recruiting for it. And I mean, while I don't think that's completely fair, like obviously coaching goes into it a significant amount when you're picked first, you finish first. It's hard to justify same thing. I think the other probably front runner, and, and this isn't even really that much bias. It's just what I see around was coach Friendly, But again, Iowa state was picked second. They finished second, really hard to justify getting coach of the year when you finish where you're picked. If it's not like, and through a significant amount of adversity, which we saw on the other side, or if it's not a completely dominant year which is why we saw kim mulkey win it so many times you know when you go undefeated in conference even if you're picked first you finish first if you're undefeated you can probably justify it so with coach schneider being picked you know last in the standings and then you finish fifth and the the biggest key for him was that it's not even that you got all these transfers It's, you've got a great transfer in Tiana Jackson. I mean, she's obviously incredible, but you're doing it with overwhelmingly the same roster from last year. And so clearly your players have developed in a really major fashion and coaching is a significant part of that kind of development. And so I thought that was so, so well-deserved. They're, they're really building something special over there at Kansas, which is, good and intimidating for the rest of the league but it's it's certainly good as a whole to see that program developing as it has and to see you know some of the players that they'll have coming back next year is super exciting for them too but um yeah I mean that was in my book I think that was really a no-brainer as far as predicting how people were going to vote I I thought that that was uh kind of a foregone conclusion by the time we got to that. I I was not surprised by that the least. Yeah,
1: definitely not. It was actually kind of funny because I wasn't even thinking about that. Like when, when uh, I had heard that awards were coming down and, you know, like there was the potential that Kansas was going to get some really good news. My immediate thought was in terms of players completely forgetting for whatever reason that, you know, the coaches decide which, which a coach gets named as the best coach in the, in the big 12 for the particular year. But it's like, you're right. It makes, it makes absolutely perfect sense. Um, you know, there, there are basically two ways that you can be a shoe in, right, for the Big 12 Coach of the Year, or for any Coach of the Year. It's either you outperform expectations so far that nobody could have seen it coming and it's impossible to ignore the fact that you, you know, did a fantastic job coaching, or you are the best team in the league and there really isn't a story where somebody outperformed expectations. If, if, if everything kind of goes the way it's supposed to, then whoever is the best team is probably going to be mm-hmm. considered the best coach because you did exactly what you were supposed to. And, and so did everybody else. Um So it's like, this was a clear, you know, that, that first situation where, you know, Kansas was picked last. And, and again, it, it was a huge development from the players that were there. You know, coach, coach Schneider talked about, oh, I'm sorry, coach, coach Brandon, as he very clearly wants to be called, <laughs> um, you know, he, he talked about, I think told media days about how, players were playing completely out of position last year. And you were wondering how much of that was coach speak and how much of that was, you know, actually the case. And, and so like when you saw the big jump and you actually saw that a lot of these players were actually playing different positions this year than they were last year, you realized that, yeah, no, that's actually what was happening. Like, this is definitely something where they had to make all those adjustments, but to be able to go from one season to the next and have this type of improvement, even if you are moving players to a more natural position for them, still, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coaching, a lot of fitting pieces together and kind of doing what you need to do. And then identifying the people that he did in the transfer portal to come over and actually, you know, uh, help, help with this team was, okay. was a huge thing for him and his staff to do. So it was absolutely deserved like he said, it's definitely more of a team award. The fact that he's getting the recognition for it because of everything that the team's done is absolutely true, but you also have to give him props for being able to put it together and, I'm going to be honest, it came at the absolute perfect time for him because it's funny, most Kansas fans and most people kind of around the program were saying, hey, he needs to do something this year or there's a chance that he may not be the coach next year. Now it's like, oh, yeah, he he's he's going to be the coach for quite a while. Like, (laughs) you know, barring barring an absolute collapse next year, which I just don't see happening with the fact that, you know, Holly Kerskeeter's coming back, Sakaya Franklin's coming back, Tyana Jackson's coming back, like all three players that got Big 12 awards this season are eligible to come back next year and are fully expected to come back. Um One, because you don't typically leave early over on the women's side of the game, because there's not really many options in terms of where to you go. You
2: can't so. unless you turn 21 before the draft. So.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, like WNBA, right. You, you couldn't, but theoretically, if you, so, yeah, right. You, you if you really to wanted so to go overseas, above, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, all, all of these players will be back. They're expected to build on this for next year. Um, you know, I, I would not be shocked to see them kind of in this same top four or five next year as well. Maybe even better just oh, depending absolutely. on how, how everything breaks. So it's, it's huge for the Kansas program. It's exactly what they've been looking for. And now of course they need to follow it up with runs in the big 12 tournament and then potentially the N- the NCAA tournament as well. So that being said, were you surprised by any of the other big 12 awards? Were there any of them that kind of jumped out to you as a, I was not expecting that to happen.
2: Well, um, I'll say the most pleasant surprise for me personally, I mean, obviously as an Iowa State fan is Lexi Danarski as defensive player of the year. And that's just because player defensive player of the year awards are so often predicated on stats, the easy numbers. Yes, exactly. The, the, the stats, which are generally, if you're a guard, your steals, or if you're a post, you're blocks. And so it's it's interesting for someone like Lexi Danarski who isn't averaging a bunch of blocks, who isn't averaging a bunch of steals to win the award. It's valid. And I mean, obviously, awards that are voted on by coaches, it's really hard to argue with them because they're the ones who are having to game plan for it. And so media awards can do weird things. But when the coaches vote on something, generally, you have to say, OK, yeah, that's, that's probably true. And so... I don't think that she wins that award if it's the media voting on it, but when it's the coaches who have to game plan for someone who's going to lock down your best player, it's, it's completely valid. And so that's what I think is so interesting about these kind of awards. Um, so that was obviously really exciting just for me to see someone like that rewarded. You know, we saw it with Didi Dee Dee Richards kind of was similar when she won it. She didn't have super crazy stats on anything, but she would just lock down your other team's best players. So that's why I really enjoy coaches awards. Um, yeah to that than, to that
1: point real quick because yeah. I I do think that the women's game does not have nearly as much in terms of advanced stats and you know all of these additional mm-hmm. analysis that's been thrown into it which I mean I understand why unfortunately there's just not the money behind it but like you know on, on the men's side I I do think that there is an argument to be made that Especially with all the, the different advanced stats that they have available and all the additional announcements done. Like it's easy. It's a lot easier to account for those sorts of things, but you can't account for, you know, stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet when pretty much the only thing coming out of games is either what you're watching, you know, or playing against them or what you see on the stat sheet. Most fans would look at that and just all they have is the stats that are available. Yeah. And, and I so, mean,
2: our, yeah. our marketing department did a really good job of putting out releases and stuff of comparing the, the primary person Lexi was guarding averaged this many points and this percentage. And she held them to this many points and this percentage. And so that's what that probably on the Women's inside. It's so <laughs> much more effort to make that happen. But on the men's side, it, it's, it's certainly a little bit easier and there's more people who are doing that work. So um it's it's definitely interesting and if you're a t if you're someone who hasn't followed Iowa State specifically you're seeing that and you're like well what you know why why is that the case but if you follow the Big 12 as a whole you kind of get it but it, it certainly is something that could be a little bit better a little bit more accessible for women's basketball fans um but again that's just why coaches awards are so important because it gives people that kind of look into it. And then maybe they do a little bit more research of their own.
1: Yeah. And it is kind of funny because I, I I actually think of all of the awards that are given out by the coach or by both the coaches in the media. Typically the defensive ones are the ones that I would lean more to the coaches just because there Mm -hmm. are so many things that go into it. That we don't have good, you know, advanced analytics for or, th- or things like that. So it's like, that's the one as well, trying to game plan around the defense that a particular person plays with a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Like, yeah, that, that, that that's where it makes the most sense to kind of lean on the coaches. Some of these other awards, like I would, I would probably at best weigh it about even, but defensive player yeah. of the year and defensive, you know, all defensive first team, those are, those are usually, it's more of a, who do I have to worry about if I'm trying to play Mm -hmm. against this team? And that makes a whole lot of sense because the coaches are the ones that dive in. So
2: absolutely. Yep. What
1: about, what about other, other awards? Um, I mean, I, I, I think that Melissa Smith was a shoe in as, you know, player of the year, just the way that she, especially the way that she, you know, down the stretch was able to really just kind of run away from everybody else. It it looked like it was going to be a, you know, three or four person race for most of the year. And then she just kind of took off at the end of the season, much, kind of similar to the way that the Baylor themselves did towards the end of the season, just kind of blowing past everybody at that point, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, statistically, her numbers, especially down the stretch, like you said, were incredible, absolutely the catalyst for her team. Um, so by the end of the season, you kind of figured that it, it was going to be really hard for anyone to break in there because no one else was outperforming her to the point where, I mean, no one really was outperforming her statistically by the end of the season period. And it it would have to take someone who was averaging just crazy, crazy numbers on another one of the top teams in the league, which obviously, you know, Ashley Jones had good numbers and Oakley had good numbers, but K state fell in the rankings and iowa state lost head to head to them a couple times so by the end of this season um that was certainly a a pretty easy pick to make as well
1: yeah for sure all right any of the other awards that really jumped out to you at all
2: um skylar van winning six player award from oklahoma is big because she's been so good lately Throughout the course of the season, she's been she's been pretty good. She's been solid, but recently she's been a huge, huge cornerstone to Oklahoma's success. And as they kind of struggled a little bit midseason, there she's definitely been key to helping pull them out of it. Um, obviously, ended the regular season on a kind of tough note against your Jayhawks, um, and and a lot of that has to do with the way that Kansas was able to play against some of the top performers there because you've got at Oklahoma you had two unanimous all first team right. selections in Taylor Robertson and Maddie Williams and so you know you you've got a team that's really difficult to guard that's really difficult to match up with you've got solid people coming off the bench having a really good player coming off the bench is extremely difficult to deal with because they're able if they're if they're a smart player, they take advantage of that and they sit and they watch what's happening. And so they can adjust their game when they come in. So when you're as versatile as Skylar Van is where she can score down low and she can hit the three, she takes full advantage of that time on the bench. She's saying, okay, well this person I'm going in for this person. And so that opponent is going to guard me. And so this is the advantage I have. And so I think that those awards are really interesting. Um, and then when you look at, you want to talk specifically Kansas real quick, you've got Holly Geeter, easily all big 12 first team. I mean, it's, it right. really wasn't that. I don't think that was a question at all. She wasn't unanimous, but was probably really close. Um, and then when you have a couple of honorable mentions, so you've got the 10 on the first team, you've got the five on the second team, that anyone else mentioned goes on to honorable mention. And so you had Zakiah Franklin and Tyana Jackson, and I think Tyana Jackson probably was hurt by the abundance of really talented bigs because right. you you end up looking at, okay, I'm not gonna vote her over Aoka Lee or Nalisa Smith. Or, I mean, you're going to vote Holly Kersgeiter over her. And so once you get past, you know, the top couple teams, it gets really difficult to have multiple in the first team. Obviously, again, Oklahoma did that. But Taylor Robertson and Maddie Williams are just so important to their team. So those two getting mentioned, I think, is really good for them. I think that they still have a lot of development to do, too, which is scary seeing what they've done this year. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's really been incredible. And so then when you look at all defense, I mean, we talked about that too. Tyana Jackson being on the Big 12 all-defensive team um, is, is really big. She and Ayoko Lee are major, major threats. And I have a feeling that all the attention that Lee gets and her coming back next year, if I'm Tyana Jackson, that is like fuel to my fire. Oh, I'm sure. saying, well, hey, I'm six six. You know, I play on a good team. I'm going to level up. And so... I would be shocked if we aren't seeing an even more improved player from her next year, which, yeah, like I said, certainly intimidating. And plus when you see the awards you're getting coach of the year, awards are really enticing to players. And so you see what you've done with this roster that had not a huge amount of turnover from last year. You had a couple really key piece for this year. I mean, how, not say okay well we've got this I don't know what their recruiting ca- cl- class look for next year but that's really major for maybe hopping into the portal and getting another piece that maybe coach Schneider thinks that you know if we had this one kind of player we'd be you know top of the league and that's a really big selling point so
1: yeah I mean you look at What Tyana Jackson did this year, you know, in, in terms of coming over in her first year and then what Julie Mm -hmm. Brousseau did in her, you know, her, in her one year. Like you saw two transfers come in and have immediate success. Like that, that is something you can sell in the portal for next year. So you identify what it is. You can say, Hey, look, we identified this particular role that we needed. They came in. They played really well. We've identified you as someone that we really could use in this particular role. Here's how we want to use you. And it builds that, that credibility, you know, for someone coming in. Mm-hmm. So it definitely gives them the opportunity, I think, to get in into certain places with potential players that will fit the specific roles that they need. To your, to your point about Tyana Jackson, I do think that she was hurt by the fact that she did have multiple games, especially down the stretch where she got into foul trouble really quickly. Right. But, but. I think the fact that she got honorable mention still is definitely a fact of just how dominant she was on the inside at times when she was actually in the game. I mean, it was night and day. You went into that Kansas State game like you looked at it. When she was on the floor, Kansas was by far a much better team. When she went off the floor, Iooka Lee was able to you know do whatever she wanted, and, and, and Kansas State was able to come back. And that one was back and forth in that final game that they had because of that like because of the impact that Tiana Jackson had on that game and so
2: and that's just an adjustment when you come into a league like the Big 12 right. you know it's you just have to be prepared for a different level of physicality a different style of refereeing and so i would be surprised if she has as many of those kind of games next year as she did this year because that's really just an adjustment when you're seeing these teams for the first time
1: yeah exactly all right i do want to go ahead and turn to the bracket do a do a preview of the tournament that's coming up here but before we do that i need to throw it to a quick break we'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast
0: Hey there, ten twelve network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott and Holman podcast, the original Houston Cougar Athletics podcast, and the latest member of the ten twelve network. Uh, my co-host Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's, basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston in their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and remember we spell podcast p a w d cast because we are oh so funny like that.
1: And we're back here with Jamie Steyer Johnson of the well the Cyclone Family Podcast, the 1012 podcast here on the 1012 network and then also the uh, the color analyst for the Iowa State Women's Basketball radio broadcast. Jamie Looking at the Big 12 tournament, like this is, I think, a tournament that is just as wide open as most of the season was, because while Baylor is, and I think showed themselves to be the best team in the conference this year, when you get into a one-and-done format like this and the fact that Baylor has lost some games that they probably shouldn't have lost, have been challenged by some teams that you were kind of like, wait a minute, what's just happened here? Um, one-and-done format is not really like the best for the best team actually winning it. So I think there's a lot of intrigue going into this tournament, a lot of possibilities. What strikes you as the most intriguing upset potential in the tournament? Specifically, I think from the first couple or from like either the first round or the quarterfinals.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, that one and done format is tough for the top teams. And especially when you're looking at a team like Baylor, where they struggled early in the regular season conference play. They got it figured out, but you have to look at the fact that, again, this is a first-year coach. So she figured things out as the season went on. Now, you're not starting from scratch, but you're going back a couple steps as far as your comfort level and your preparedness goes because this tournament is really just a different beast to playing your games. You have basically no prep time. Between games, and so right. you you don't know who your opponent is until you know, five seven thirty the night before, and you play at one thirty the next day, and so you you're you're learning a lot on the go, and so um, I certainly am intrigued by Baylor's path. Because like you mentioned, you know, they've, they've had some close games. They've had games they run away with. They're, they're just, again, you know, we've talked about this all season. Yes. They won the big 12. Yes. They had a really great season, but they're not undefeated in conference play. You know, you, you have a lot of people kind of licking their chops, looking at them saying, I think this is our opportunity. And so I, we talked about this a l- little bit over on the ten twelve this week, but I'm extremely, extremely intrigued by their potential semifinal matchup. Assuming they get past, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess they're gonna face Texas Tech yeah. in the in the quarters because with you know everything going on at Oklahoma State right now, the way Texas Tech has played down the stretch, I I would anticipate Texas Tech moving on there. They could give Baylor a game. I mean, at this point, who knows? Tech has the ability to play out of their mind. And I can see them looking at that game and saying, this is our opportunity to prove what we can do. You know, you've got... I think Vivian Gray is someone who plays with about the biggest chip on her shoulder possible, and not in a bad way. It's that she always plays like she has something to prove, and so that would be an opportunity to do so. But for argument's sake, let's say Baylor makes it past that round. The semifinal matchup is very, very tasty, because you have either Oklahoma, who I don't know if I need to remind you how their regular season matchups were. I mean that's that's a really great matchup there or you have Kansas who played them I mean closer than most people said they had any business playing them twice in the regular season. And so, you know, once you can maybe art play it off as a fluke twice, no, they've, they've got something figured out there.
1: Yeah, like most, most people would look at the second matchup where Baylor won by 10 and not account for the fact that Kansas was within, I believe it was four with like a minute and a half left and Baylor right. went on a run. Um, which, which is, you know, you get to a point in the game where it becomes pretty clear that you're probably not going to be able to come back and the other team, you know, you foul and, and they're able to get free throws and all that stuff. So like a, you have a 10 to point, go
2: back a little bit right. more than just the final score. Yeah, right.
1: Like a 10 point loss on the road against a team like that isn't like a, oh, my gosh, we lost by double digits. It's more of a we hung tough and just couldn't do it at the end. And, it's a tough and so
2: place to play, man.
1: Yeah, that that too. Um, but you're right. Like Oklahoma. Now, the thing is, right, like those those two Oklahoma games came earlier in the season before right. Baylor really hit their stride and was and was going whereas the Kansas game like that final Kansas game came on the the second to last weekend of the season right so it was like yeah. both of them have shown the ability to give Baylor problems and one of them has done it very recently i still think that Oklahoma Kansas game is probably the best game of the quarterfinals um just because of how yeah. how great of a game that they played down in norman how evenly matched they are and the fact that i honestly think whoever wins that game has a real legitimate uh, shot at actually upsetting Baylor in the next round. So it's like, that, that's that's going to be a huge, a huge... Uh, it's a
2: lot on the line. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's 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 one of the most evenly matched. I, honestly, there's a lot of really good quarterfinal games because you've got Texas K-State, and again, you've got K-State who has a lot to prove. They have right. struggled down the stretch. They were a team who was in contention to win the conference earlier in this season and just really really struggled you saw I mean obviously Aoka Lee's been struggling with just some nagging injury her minutes are down obviously you know she's got a honking knee brace it it, it can't be comfortable so maybe the rest will do them some good and then you've got freshmen who are just not used to playing the kind of strenuous schedule that the big 12 entails and so you want to see hey maybe this break gives K-State a little bit more fire And so I'm super interested in that Texas K-State matchup. And then, I mean, I try not to dive in too deep on Iowa State stuff and predictions and things like that, but I will say that if West Virginia wins that first-round matchup going into the quarterfinals, the the end of their game in Morgantown was interesting, to say the least. Right.
1: This is one of those games where if you look at it on paper – It really shouldn't be a contest just by looking at what these two teams have done this year. But if you look at it from a, you know, juicy matchup and a team in West Virginia trying to prove something, you know, then this one could get interesting. Although I, I do think I have to rate it probably you know, in terms of juiciness factor of the four potential quarterfinal matches we're talking about, it's probably at the bottom, not because it's not a good matchup or one that's going to be interesting to watch, but I think the just because so of all good. the other ones are so compelling, right?
2: Yes, no, for sure. And and, and the, the most interesting thing I think is that, you know, just very briefly, you know, the end of the game, it was it was West Virginia City right? United, It was the close for both of them for the season. And their coach ended up getting two technicals thrown out with, 15 seconds left because there was a foul call he didn't agree with. It. And the fouls on the game were 25 to 11, 25 on the West Virginia side, but again, I'm I'm biased, I know, but like I very much try to recognize when my bias influences it. The way that the two teams play, right. it was pretty legitimate. And so the the question will be if the league looks at that and says, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we can have that kind of thing happen and and it'll depend on the way that it's refereed. You know, if, if it gets really physical, that's something that could go in West Virginia's favor. And they certainly will feel like they have something to prove because they were not happy with the way that that game went in Morgantown. And, and that's fine. You know, they're a very competitive team. So I'll be, I'll be really interested to see really all those quarterfinal games. I'm excited. Those are going to be absolutely incredible basketball games. I'll have to kind of set my schedule because I have half a mind to go sit in stadium and watch Oklahoma, Kansas, but we'll see what my, my other commitments look right, like around exactly. town, but gosh, are those going to be good? And then beyond the quarters, it's, this league has been so competitive this year that if you win that first game, you can win the whole, th- obviously that's factually how it works is if you, if right, you win a right. game, you can keep winning. But if you can go out there and you win, if Texas tech goes out there and beat beats Baylor, I'd be like, well, they might keep winning, you know, like at, at any given time, anyone can go on a run. And so I feel like that's said really often. Um, and it's, it's sometimes kind of wishful thinking like, wow, wouldn't it be nice if we had this really crazy, right. competitive off the wall tournament, but this one's for real. This yeah. You're not really interested. It's
1: almost impossible to get a Georgia making a run and winning the sec tournament type of Cinderella story in, in a conference that is as, as deep and as tough as this one, you know, for a team that honestly, probably based off of records has no business going to the NCAA tournament, uh, just with the way that everything's worked out, like that doesn't happen. It just it just usually doesn't because there's there's somebody that will knock them off on on a bad night. Like they have to be completely on. The the thing is, as we've seen so many times with these teams, every single team with the exception of maybe Oklahoma State has a player on their squad that can take over a game. Mm-hmm. And as long as, you know, the rest of the team is giving them some sort of um, you know, some, some sort of support there that they can go ahead and actually make that big push and, and win games, whether they should or mm-hmm. not. And so it's one of those things for sure, where like, if you are looking for a Kansas, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm saying Kansas, cause I'm actually thinking about my next point, but if you're looking for a team to make a big run here, right? Like it is, it is definitely one of those things where you can make an argument for pretty much anybody. But so 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 looking ahead at potential games, like I was sitting here trying to figure out because w- what I really wanted to ask you is for a, you know, trying to be as um unbiased as possible, kind of a neutral observer. If you are hoping for a championship game, right, that is going to be super competitive, super compelling, come down to the wire. If you're looking at, say, the top five or six teams, like what what matchup are you hoping for? If If you take all rooting interests out of it, like which one do you think is going to be the most competitive? I've thought about this and I'll give you mine. Um. again, trying to take bias out of it, but just looking at what those results were um, in terms of getting to the championship game, because we have to think about which, which ones can come from each side of the bracket. Um, obviously, you couldn't have like a Kansas Baylor because that would have to happen in the semifinal, right? Like I'm having a hard time settling on something other than like a Kansas Texas matchup because you look at those two games that they had this year those were down to the wire games super super stressful (laughs) super competitive like Kansas against Iowa State I don't think that's a good matchup for KU they Mm -hmm. struggled twice you know Iowa State Baylor like they are the two best teams in the conference but we saw twice that for whatever reason Iowa State just doesn't match up well against Baylor like if you're hoping if if that's your only concern right is that you get a Mm -hmm. championship game is going to be competitive that's going to be a good watch like I, I think that's Probably what you're looking for. But I'm definitely open to other to other suggestions, other ideas. I don't know if like Oklahoma, Texas would be a good one or what, but
2: I've I've actually was just thinking about this looking at it, and the teams that easily have the most to play for are four through six. Oklahoma, Kansas, and K State. True. Because Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas probably are hosting uh, Baylor and Iowa State are pretty for much sure. hosted, and and Texas at this point I believe is as well. Oklahoma, Kansas, and K State have at points looked like the top of the conference. Have at points look not as great. So, with all that being said, I think those three could have an argument for maybe sneaking into a hosting spot, or at the very worst improving their seating if they win the tournament. With that being said, I would say that those kind of teams are are the most primed for really really great Big 12 games. And right. we've seen that cuz Texas is a great team and they they very well may have some really really great matchups and some really really great games. But they're just so up and down. You just don't know what you're going to get from them. Right. And and I mean, that's not even coming from me. That's coming from their head coach. Right. right? Exactly. Yes. So you never know. And so it kind of depends on what team shows up to Kansas City. But I think that the ones who are going to be the most prepared, have the biggest chip on their collective shoulders, would probably be... I think I would go with Oklahoma and K-State because Kansas, I think, would have a shot at being really great and being a really great matchup. Either one of them from the top of the bracket, Oklahoma or Kansas against K-State in the championship for the potential to win would be huge. But I think that the expectations for Oklahoma over the course of the season have been higher than Kansas. And so I think that they feel like they have more to prove not that kansas is is in any way content with what occurs but they've already outperformed expectations so significantly that it's hard not to as an outside observer say this is a success they want to win everything they want to win right. every game for the rest of the season but i think that oklahoma probably feels like they've fallen from grace a little bit where they were on top of the world for a lot of the big 12 season and you end up in fourth, that can't be particularly satisfying. And so I think that, do I think that that's going to happen? No, but I think there's a chance it's not for sure, not going to happen. And that would be the recipe for two teams playing for not quite their lives but playing for pretty much the most anyone could be playing for in this tournament.
1: Not only that, I, I do think that like an Oklahoma case State or a Kansas case state is going to be a good matchup. Like it's going to be something that you would oh, want to watch sure. as, as a neutral observer anyway, um, which is kind of what I was going for. But I, I think also kind of to your point, Oklahoma for the vast majority of the year has been considered to be one of the top 16 seats. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Like, so they've had it's that opportunity
2: that they fell, right?
1: Like literally they were on track for that until, well, in the last release. Like, then they lost to Kansas, you know, and so like they definitely have some work to do to make sure that they wear the Not that, that for sure there, knocks but, them
2: out of it. Right. But if if you win, but if they lose to Kansas several, again, right, but right, right. Like,
1: like well, but like if they lose to Kansas at the end of the season and then lose to yeah. Kansas again, like there's a very good chance that they're not going to be one of those top sixteen. That it's going to be a situation where they find themselves out of there, so they definitely have a lot to play for. And, and you're right. That's
2: going into a lot of like the other conferences, who's winning, and blah blah blah. So like we won't even get into all. that. No, no, no,
1: fair, but... fair. But <laughs> but I, I think it's I think it's worth at least acknowledging. That's a good point. No, for right. Sure. That I mean, you lose to Kansas twice. Yes, Kansas is a good team, but if you lose to them twice to end up the season, um, you know, there wasn't much else that really happened that you could use to kind of counteract that and and i'm not right. saying that losing to kansas is a bad loss by by any no. definition absolutely not but it is definitely one of those things when you are fighting for one of those top 16 spots you you have to keep making progress towards Give it very little and margin it, would, for yeah, error. it would be a very sour taste i think in their mouth to lose twice to the exact same team back to back to end the season and still try to get one of those top 16 spots so especially when they were number 16 in the final release so
2: mm-hmm.
1: all right well um any other final thoughts about the about the big total tournament before we get out here
2: Um, I'm just super excited to have both tournaments occurring in Kansas city at the same time. Once again, uh, the environment's going to be unreal. I know of so many people going down, so I'm really looking forward to being down there, being a part of it. Um, obviously I hope I'm working (laughs) the entire time, right. (laughs) End of the weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, as I, as I said earlier, I don't remember if I actually said this on the 1012 podcast. I'm just, I'm just hoping that we can both be on press row for the championship game on Sunday. So that I would, would love be, nothing more. that would be fantastic for, for Kansas. I mean, e- even though I have a feeling that if that were to happen, that it would be, um, an Iowa state blowout in the championship game just because of the way the matchups are, I'm sure you'd be super happy with that. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, definitely one of those things where I am looking forward to this. I I am going to enjoy covering this in person and there's going to be a lot of really great basketball this weekend. So,
2: Oh yeah. You won't want to miss it. Like it, you'll have so much good basketball to watch. If you're a big 12 fan, like between the men's and women's tournaments, there's, there'll be some incredible games.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wh- wh- wherever you get your podcasts, it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it'd be absolutely great. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast so you guys get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want to try to interview. View anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at or on Twitter at rockchalk We are part of the anchor platform, so you can also leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show. We are part of the 1012 network. Uh tons of great shows over there covering all the teams in the Big Twelve conference. So follow us over on Twitter at 1012 network. That's T-E-N-12, the word network, and you can get links to all the great shows that we have. Make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. The cans line is out. It's absolutely fantastic. Make sure that you go and take a look at it. Use promo code SHOCK12 to get 15% off your entire first order. Um, but that's going to do it for us today. Jamie, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk podcast.
2: In women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.